Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us again. Today we're finishing up our conversation about counseling and specifically we're going to focus on women in counseling. The voices you'll hear in this conversation are pastors Tim Bailey, Max Carell, and Josh Nipp. My name is Lucas Weeks and this is the Out of Our Minds podcast. I want to make sure, though, that we hit the issue of women. Okay. Because that's such an important issue, and nobody talks about it today. Well, I don't know what you mean. Well, there is such a thing as sexuality in counseling. Okay. And we all nod our heads and laugh, but the reason we laugh is that you have to say the darndest things today. The, the dumbest things? <laughs> the darndest. Okay. In other words, the most obvious, obvious any yes. idiot knows some things have to be repeated today. Yeah, yeah. And so when I say there's sexuality in counseling, I want to tell everybody, you do not stop being a woman or a man or a boy or a girl mm-hmm. when you're in counseling. And that has many, many, we could talk about that for an hour and a half on its own. Sure. But I want to hit two things right out of the gate. Number one, you must avoid transference. You mm. must not allow yourself in that counseling room, whether you're a pastor, an elder, a Titus II woman, you must not allow yourself to think that you are the solution to the suffering of the person in the office with you. You are not. Okay? You can be used by God to comfort them. And so I tell pastors all the time, I think many more men commit adultery because of compassion than because of lust. Mm. I think a lot of pastors have this desire to heal people, and then they unwisely, like a local pastor here, asked a woman to come meet with him at a, a coffee shop. And sure enough, it turned out, in this case, we don't think that there was adultery. But he blew up his life by that and other unwise steps that he took with women. Mm. And I'm not going to say there was not serious sin involved, but we've got to be very careful not to become intimate with women or homosexual men if we're tempted by homosexuality. (laughs) You know, in other words, on all levels, we have to be very careful. And that's why at our church, we never, ever, ever, ever counsel people alone unless it is literally in the foyer immediately following a service Mm. we just don't do it yeah we have other pastors we have our wife we have you know the worst case scenario would be where the secretary sits directly out of my office and can see me as i counsel Mm -hmm. but i would never do it alone with a woman so that's one side of it but the other side of it that i'm actually much more interested in is in Titus 2, it says older women are to teach younger women. Uh, yeah. And I have gotten lately to saying to Mary Lee, could you please, you and some of the women, handle this situation with this woman? She's a woman. Can we have older women who will help us with some of these women? Now, I'm sorry to put it like that. And obviously, I'm not mad and Mary Lee isn't crying. Don't worry. But I'm expressing the frustration over the absence of older women wanting to counsel and teach and discipline younger women. 
And honestly, there are so many times in my life in ministry Mm. that I have had to deal with a woman who's just in abject rebellion. You know, I mean, can we say that? Can we say that there are many Christian women that fall into abject rebellion? (laughs) You know, is that allowed? (laughs) And it's like all the male elders and pastors are dealing with it. Right. It's insane. It's weird. And I just got done writing on this about abortion. And as I was writing, I was thinking, oh my goodness, do you realize that we don't even have our older women teaching our younger women which methods of birth control are abortifacient. And if it says in Titus 2, they're supposed to teach them to love their children. Maybe that would include them teaching them how not to kill their children in the womb. What kind of toxic brew has led to that reality being the case that... I, you know, I think it, is it like feminism that's led to that? It's hard to, hard to pin it on that. It's weird. I, I mean, I suppose it does mirror even men, even pastors fail to take responsibility by and large in our culture today in the United States for the people in their congregation. And so I suppose it's not unusual or sh- surprising that women fail to take responsibility. The older women fail to take responsibility for uh, the younger women, generally speaking, well, but you're talking about well, even in. Will we all agree that there is a serious lack of discipleship and nurture on the part of older women with younger women in the church today? Will we all agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just can't figure uh, out why. No, no, no. I first want to ask whether we all agree with it. I agree with it on the fundamental principle that it's a command for older women to you know, love and teach younger women. And that typically when we've said to older women that they should exercise those muscles, they say, well, I don't have anything to offer. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So I think, I don't know this, but I think what's happened is that's where women elders have come from. Hmm. Hmm. You've worked with women elders and I haven't. But what I was thinking before you said that was, Women today, I, I was thinking of what Lucas said about feminism, and I was thinking women today are inclined to tell men what to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, and so, and so, uh, would you like to talk with us about this, David? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I agree with that. That that's where women elders come from. I think women elders, my head wants to say, and I've never worked with them, but my head wants to say that they came from. Well, no, this is feminism. This is us. And what we're doing is, I mean, when women elders existed, it wasn't, it wasn't really to take care of the younger women and teach them how to be keepers at home. No, no, of course not. It was to get equality, to get equal right. numbers, and to have as many as there were men on the board. And I think that there's a lot more freedom. I said it somewhat jokingly, but I think there's more freedom for women to speak into men and tell them what's wrong with them than there is for them to speak into women and tell them yeah, what's wrong yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah, 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 But my sister totally believes in women's elder, elders, okay? Yeah. And I'm to- completely opposed because I'm biblical, and I'm not saying that to make a joke. Yeah. But I once said to my sister, you know, I said to her, Deborah, listen, if you were on a board, say an elders board of a church, and you had to rebuke a man in the church, would you send a man elder or a woman elder to do it? And she didn't hesitate. She said, a man elder. All right. 
And so what's going on? I think that the most rabid feminist, if she didn't, wasn't aware that she was getting snookered by the question, would naturally say, I'd send a man, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. If you have a choice between a center on an NFL team who's really good in a woman and really good in a man, I think the most rabid feminist would choose the really good man to be the center on an NFL team. Now, I don't know. But but hasn't feminism removed agency? And isn't, isn't that part of the problem is that across the board, agency from women has been removed. And so with agency removed, how do we go to women, go to other women and tell them, no, that, that, that that's wrong. When you say agency, what do you mean? Well, responsibility for their actions. We're not responsible. Moral agency. Moral agency. Yeah. And so if they don't have agency, if they don't have moral agency, then how do we go? Nobody has the trouble going to a man and telling him that he's, he failed. That's my point. But if you go to a woman and tell her she failed in this culture, in this climate, that's just, that's just your patriarchy. That's just your, your chauvinism. That's whatever it is. You're, you're. And so no, no man wants to go and tell a woman she failed and no woman wants to go and tell a woman she failed. All right. But let me, and that's ironic given the fact that the whole premise of feminism is that women should be moral agents. Oh yes. But, (laughs) but can I press down on this? That's why we have women elders. I think that part of it is that if you suppress a godly function that has been commanded, you're going to have, you know, say the water balloon squeezing out between the knuckles. Mm. And I think if we have not had affirmation and appreciation, I'm with you and I get you. If we have not been dependent on women, then you're going to have these monster patriarchy churches where I've had friends that have told me they won't let their wife go to the women's Bible study because the Bible says that she's to ask her husband at home. Yeah. And a lot of churches where this is a reality, the men never took responsibility in leading the church, even though they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so women have said, well, we've got to do it since yeah, the men are yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so that's what then, my sister says. Yeah. And so there, that that's happens. Yeah. And that's what you call the water balloon squeezing out. Yeah. Between in the other words, when we, and God has not made women stupid. God has not made women second because they're not capable of being first. God made them second so that they would understand their calling to be helpmates to man, okay? It's an order in the relationship of the sexes. But it doesn't mean that women are not capable of being moral agents, are not capable of rebuking other women. If you say teach, is that going to involve rebuke? Oh, my goodness, yes. (laughs) And so I think that if we would, I know I'm maybe going to get in hot water on this. I think that we should restore the dignity of womanhood in the church and that the elders and pastors should be dependent on women to be leaders who exercise authority in the church. And I feel that very deeply. If you go back through all my writing through the years online and look for how many times I've mentioned the phrase older women, quote unquote, and the phrase Titus two women, quote unquote. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe they should be ordained to an office, but I do believe it is an office that the church must have to be healthy. Hmm. 
And I think if pastors and elders think that they can make decisions, or school boards for that matter, (laughs) that they can make decisions that pertain to women and children as well as men, without having wise women giving input to those decisions. And so I'm sympathetic to Tim Keller having women that are in elders meetings every single time. Now, I think it's wrong. I think it's a violation of biblical and PCA polity, all right? And so I'm absolutely opposed to it. But I completely sympathize with Tim's desire to have wise women counseling the pastors and elders in the work of the church. I don't know what I would know about in our church if I didn't know it through pastors' wives and elders' wives. I know that's kind of a radical way of putting all this, but if we do not do what Scripture says, which is older women have a calling to teach younger women about the most important foundational aspects of life. Can you think of anything that is pertinent or close to that stage of life whenever a woman becomes an older woman that has to do with her temptations and sins that she's therefore averse to obeying this command? It makes me think when we go to the grocery store and you have your kids in tow and when you have your little babies, it's it's older men who actually show affection for children in the aisles of the grocery store. It's older women who give you scowls more, more, um, more commonly than older men do. And it's older men who actually, you know, their hearts are moved in just kind of a, a, an appreciation for little children in the grocery store. And so, um, maybe <laughs> now wait a second. I've never thought about that, but you're right. It's very true. I mean, it's very stark. We've, we've recognized that everyone in our church, you know, comments about it. And so I don't know if that's a modern issue because of the state of, of where we're at currently and the baby boomer generation and older women and, or if there's something about the nature of where older at that station of life, that for some reason there is additional, there is an added temptation to not do those things that's something particular to them. Hmm. And I don't have an answer for it, but I, I, I wonder if it's more than just the circumstances of feminism because it's recorded in Titus well, 2 a long time this ago. this is fascinating to me. And I want to probe a little bit because I've never thought about that. Let me ask you this. Have you noticed that as women get older, they don't want to be beautiful. They want to be efficient. Have you noticed they yeah. all have oh, yeah. butch haircuts? Yeah, yeah. They don't want to deal with the inconveniences of okay. these things anymore. And, you know. And I've noticed, especially widows, have a temptation to become aggressively independent. Yeah. And trying to get a widow to engage the church, even a, even a sweet widow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to engage the church and invite someone over to her house for lunch. For some reason you would think would be the most obvious thing for her to do. But for some reason, it's not the most obvious thing for her in her mind to do. Okay, can I have a hypothesis and hypothesis? Please do. I have a theory. <laughs> Here's my theory. I wonder whether it is not because we, as their husbands, fathers, brothers, have not 
celebrated and honored and shown gratitude for the most feminine aspects of their lives. And so they feel like they have been unappreciated their whole lives. And now they're at the end. And some of the incidental things, joys that they got from being feminine and from having babies and being pregnant and nursing and all those things, even those things aren't around and everybody still takes them for granted. And they're the ones that have to clean the dirty diapers. I, I, you know, I'm thinking about a certain elder's wife that you and I have talked about many times. Who She used to be so aggressively against young mothers having children in our church. And it seemed like her husband had a bad conscience in his old age about how men take women for granted. And his wife seemed, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? I don't know what you think. Well, I, uh, if the question is why they're not wanting to participate later, I that's probably a great deal of it. And another part of it might just be, I noticed the shift in generations mm-hmm. and a shift in generations where older women became bitter mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they, they yeah. bought into the, the line that what they had done was, was, uh, sacrifice themselves and their happiness and their potential by just being women and instead of seeing that calling as high and noble and and godly and right and blessed they saw it as second best because that's Mm -hmm. what's fed to them everywhere everywhere now the you know we think about and we're worried about our daughters who hear the message over and over and over and over and over and over and over again but what about our wives and our mothers and our older women who hear the exact same message that says to them you failed you failed you failed because you could have been you could have been you could have been but instead you chose this second rate path you know there isn't there isn't wasn't anything good in what you chose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and mean, you could be you could be one of these STEM girls, you know, these commercials for this, you know, they're they're scientists, you know. <laughs> to, you I know. think we need to do a session on this, honestly. Yeah, the because I think that that does deal with like the women in the grocery store today. Mm-hmm. Because that is what I perceive, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I mean, we were at church the other day and our we were in the process of getting everything out of the Y and we were kind of the kids were they you meet know, in the Y. They're right. Yeah. We meet in the Y for church and, and the kids were kinda playing around a little bit and we were kind of on the way out the door and there was a woman who kind of stood off in the corner and she came in before the Y was open. You know, she shouldn't have been allowed in the door yet, but for some reason she was she kinda just stood over in the corner and just scowled. And shook her head, and uh, and I don't know if it was because our children were the children of the church were smiling and happy. I don't know that it was um, a church at all. Yeah, I don't know if it was a church at all. And so uh, at one point she pulled out. um, You know, this has all happened within a matter of seconds here. You know, it's not like Mm. I watched this for fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. But then she pulled out a phone and she was going to take a picture. And she was just bitter. And so I walked, I started to walk over to her. And at that point, she kind of, you know, I'm like walking over like, Lord, what do I say? I don't, let me introduce myself and, you know, see if there's anything we can do to serve her. 
Um, and that's where she kind of walked off shaking her head and kind of looked away from me. Hmm. And, but I've seen this so much. And, and so it gets at the issue of kind of our modern era, but it's written in Titus two. Mm-hmm. It's so it's written a long time ago. And I know that there's nothing new under the sun, you know, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's still not something in the heart of the nature of who an older woman is that God had to tell them to do this, or there was no chance in the world they would ever do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. Can I add something though, that is clear to me and we have to teach our wives to do this. They, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated to keep thinking about this yeah. now and why. And well, the thought I had along, I think the lines where you're headed is we were talking in staff meeting today about the importance of us on staff uh, teaching. This is, I think we're talking Ephesians 4, teaching the people in our church to do ministry. Like this is, I'm just struck with my sinfulness in this regard with my own wife. Laziness uh, to engage relationally with her so that she sees that there, that I, I, I'm blown away and in love with what she does, her work in that regard, and depend upon it. You know, I'm not, I'm not brushing it to the side or thinking little of it. And, and my temptation is just to, I feel ashamed to say it, but the sort of set it and forget it mentality. It's like I, I want to just, I, I do depend on my home running well. And part of it's because I just love to never think about those details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's, that's you know, my selfishness and my sin in that regard. And a lot of what I need to do as a husband is help my wife in that work. Go, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> I Chom- think you, you chomping at the bit. Say. He's chomping at the bit over there. <laughs> You're constantly giving yourself to everyone. You're absolutely faithful. You're affectionate. <laughs> you love people. You're humble. You're intellectually curious. And you may not edit this out. And so when I hear you saying what you just said, I just want to say, no, Lucas, I'm sure there's sin in it. Uh. And I want to be your advocate in it. I know you do, but I, I hold think on, I'm hold right. on. Go ahead. Hold on. <laughs> I think all of us would agree that Mary Lee does this in our church. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what a pain in the rear it is to me? <laughs> uh, yes, so, to some degree. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> Do you know how often I wish I did not have to discuss the problems of the church with my wife? Yeah, oh yeah. Do you know how much better it would be to have a wife who was focused simply on fixing good meals and Tim, keeping? Tim, I have seven kids. Like when we talk about those things, it's when I want to go to bed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so I want to defend you and say, it's not just hard work for the woman. It's hard work for the husband. Well, yeah. There's yeah. reasons why we don't teach our wives to do these That's things. Right. Sure. Because we'd much rather make 
decisions on our own without input from them because that input does come when we're tired and want to go to bed, when we're tired after an elders meeting, when we're hungry, when we're just sick of their input. (laughs) You know, seriously. Well, and they embarrass us. Yeah, it's like, oh, I should have known that. I should have known that, yeah. Yeah, and you just feel like a complete idiot. And so why Why would I... Why for yourself? Yeah, yeah. why feel like it? You are one. Yeah. So, no, not go. We don't go there. We're not going there. I mean, I can remember when Mary was running the Christian school, about every six months, I'd say to her, lover, stop. (laughs) Just stop. I need you at home. I need yeah. meals. The children need you. We need you. And yeah. so I think uh, I think we've got to realize that there are a lot of reasons why we as men don't want our women to fulfill the ministries. I really. Yeah. And I think we have to realize that there's maybe nothing in the church that's needed more than for pastors to teach everybody in the church, we are our brothers and sisters keepers. Mm -hmm. In other words, we are responsible for each other. Mm. That's the problem. The problem is nobody feels responsible. It's not that we haven't given them a biblical counseling course. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Max, you just are silent. I'm just thinking about the fight that we have in, in our world today with women seeing their value before God Mm -hmm. that he made them. So everything we live in now is a competition for equality. Yeah. And so everything has to show total equality, total equality, total equality. But when you look at the whole idea of Titus two and what it says about women, it doesn't say about men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is for women because they're women. And the first thing that a young woman needs to do whose heart automatically may not at all want to embrace that God made her a woman. Forget the culture that she's marinating in all the time. Her heart might already be against the idea. She might already wish she could be this or that or the other thing. But then the culture is just bombarding her constantly, telling her that being a woman is the worst thing in the world, because that's really what it's saying. It's not really saying... Being, being equal is what you I'd want. Almost want to it's say really saying it's, the worst it, thing in the world. but yeah, it is being feminine is the worst Unless thing in the world. It's a but prostitute. but being but but fulfilling the calling of female is like it's it's like hell to them, mm. and so they look at it and they they can get no affirmation anywhere. And if you sit down and talk to a teenage girl with her parents and she's talking to you, and I, I have on occasion looked at a teenage girl or teenage girls and said to them with their parents there, are you glad that God made you a woman? Mm-hmm. And for them, to, their response sometimes is no. Be, and they don't have a context for, for looking at it and saying, this is good. Because the world gives them absolutely nothing to say it's good. I'm sitting here, and I'm confused. Why did you say at the beginning it doesn't say it to men? I think you're right. It doesn't say. But that's say, a thought. I don't understand that. Which, well, it doesn't say to for the older women to teach the younger men to be keepers at home and to to do this and to do this and to do this. 
it says it teaches that the younger women should be keepers at home and to do this. And I'm not saying that men shouldn't do things at home. I don't know. I'm not sure I understand your question. Or teach younger men. Well, no, no. The parallel would be older men teach younger men. Right. Yeah. That would be the parallel. And I have never thought about the fact that it doesn't say that. Am, are, am I hearing you right that the Bible doesn't say that? No, that can't be right. At least at the specificity, it's not saying to the younger men, be good wives to your, to your husbands. My understanding of what Max was saying was they're just very sex-specific yeah, the, the, the yeah, the particular commands are sex specific. Yes. That's and what it, that goes I against everything today because everything now is to to throw out anything that's spe- yeah. sex specific or. Yeah, I know, but hold on. Yeah, I still come back and say, it really never says that. It never says older men teach younger men too. It doesn't. It's a discrete command within one sex of older to younger. And I'm wondering whether the reason for that is not that the entire scriptures are written to men and that women peer in, as it were, from outside, but that the Apostle Paul, in other words, all of scripture is is directed to brothers, the language is male inclusive, all mm-hmm. of scripture. All right. Mm-hmm. It talks about mostly the men and their seed, their descendants. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then there's a couple of women. I'm wondering whether the reason that it says older women teach younger women is simply to make it absolutely clear that everything it's taught towards men is also to be taught towards women by women. In other words, maybe the reason that the only place that appears is with women is because the whole scripture are, is that. But now we're going to single out women right here and say, yes, and that means you older women to teach younger women. I don't know. But I think that bears thinking about because I don't think there is a discrete passage that says older men teach younger men this older women teach i think it just assumes that men have a, an obligation to teach the community hmm. but it, it could be that and it also could be that uh there's something very specific hmm. about the temptations women face in this world that they faced from the fall on regarding their uh well and the, the temptation that eve succumbed to and that is that she could find equality. I think you've got to cut all this out. Oh yeah, but I, but I'm really <laughs> absolutely. I'm really. I mean, yeah. You know, Eve, Eve, well, Eve wanted equality, and so she fell at that temptation. And equality is what's ringing in the ears of everybody today. It has that's there's something different. Yeah, Josh. With one last question to you, if if a couple comes to you and they say we want to we want to help and start counseling others, you know, as we close out this episode today, what what are you going to say to them? Just a couple points. I wish I could give us there's I could give simple answer, but it's a point of pain right now for me. Huh? To give a simple answer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, that's fascinating. It's a point of pain because. In the past, I would have said, here's some really good options for you to pursue. Okay. And those options now, um, 
without getting too specific, I just don't trust them anymore. Feel hollow to you. And, um, and so, or it's not going to be like, here's 46 cautions while you hear all of this training over here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I don't trust it anymore. Okay. And so, um, what I would probably do if some, let's make the assumption that someone was actually capable yeah. You know, they've yeah. been a small group leader. They're actually capable to do this work. Then uh, probably what I would do is uh, uh, start to have them more with me in counseling first mm-hmm. regularly. And then uh, eventually I would start to be with them in counseling while they counseled. And then uh, I would uh, okay, eventually let's, hand let's, things let's over. switch it up a little bit then. What if you, in your assessment, they're not going to be... Like you're not going to be setting up counseling appointments for them. So maybe they don't have those gifts, Okay, but they still came to you. What yeah. You, well, what? I, I still think that if they're, if they're capable of sitting in uh-huh. and participating, the end goal may not be that they actually counsel, but it may be that it fosters a lot of dialogue both before the counseling. Hey, I want you to know, here's what I'm thinking about for mm-hmm. this particular meeting. I don't know if this is for sure what we'll cover. Cause I come in kind of an open book yeah. to the nature of counseling and uh, to each meeting to some degree. Yeah. But then I would dialogue with them afterwards and just keep working with them. And uh, I mean, there's books that I would give them to read and, and this kind of thing, but I don't have a, you know, counseling training track that's well, formal you, in any Surprise! Your answer is a little surprising to me because it's surprising to me because you're so strong on wanting the church to participate, generally speaking, in counseling. But but it feels like you're hesitant about that for some reason. Am I picking up? Well, I think. Or am I well, I think the that? assumption I'm making is a lot of what I would tell people is uh, the other part of this, well, there's a lot of things you can already do to counsel people. Okay. So there's that. I, the assumption I was making in my answer was these, if, if we're talking about counseling, that's in a more severe sense. Let's not, let's not make that assumption. Yeah. Let's well, just, my encouragement would be just to, just to do it, just to do it, just okay. to love the church and do it and encourage and help and exhort daily all the mm. time and participate constantly in the council of the church that doesn't happen in the one hour, two hour, three hour meeting, but happens all week long, all the time and never stops. Just go after it. Well, it'd be important to say to someone to actually be helpful to the church's ministry, to the pastor's ministry, to the elders ministry in the life of the church, to not just go in their own direction and uh, create more problems. And so uh, that warning would be a good warning up front, set the expectations up front. And uh, then when that inevitably happens on uh, one point or another, then I'm assuming I can still be their pastor Yeah, yeah, yeah. in their failures and their efforts to love and counsel the church. The point is there has to be a caution there to be in sync with the pastors and the elders. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Well, that's the end of our conversation about counseling. And I just want to give a shout out again to Pastor Josh Nip from Bloomington Bible Church here in town. What a fantastic guest and what a joy it was to have him in the studio. Next week, we are going to have some very special guests on this podcast to continue the conversation about children and discipline. As we considered the feedback we were getting about those episodes, we decided that we needed to record a mother's perspective on disciplining children. So Mary Lee Bailey and her three daughters will be joining me in the studio to talk about the discipline of children from a mother's perspective. It's going to be great, and I hope you'll join us. Thanks so much for listening. 
My name is Lucas Weeks, and the conversation today was with pastors Tim Bailey, Max Carell, and Josh Nipp. For more great content, please check out warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash outofourminds. Bye for now. So how many psychologists does it change to change a light bulb? I don't know. Only one, but the bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> I'll put that in the outtakes. That's one of my top three jokes ever.